So I want to start off tonight by telling you about one of the biggest tragedies of my life, one of the hardest things I've ever had to go through. And I know that, you know, we want to be excited and happy tonight, but we live in a dark world and sometimes we need to face up to the realities of this dark world. I want to tell you about a tragedy involving a McDonald's burger. Because what happened to me, when I was a kid, there was a burger that came out at McDonald's called the Big Kahuna Burger. And it was an amazing burger because it was the first time I had ever eaten a hamburger with pineapple on it. And so I ate it and I was like, I was like oh yeah, burger, this will be fun. And I ate it and then as my taste buds hit the, the meat and the lettuce and the pineapple, it was like, bing, I was like, oh. And then my mouth sang, like I didn't sing, but my mouth sang, like the taste buds were like a choir in my mouth. They were so happy to have that taste. I thought, this is the best. So I, I ate as many of those hamburgers as I could, those big kahuna burgers, as often as I could during, where I'd say, mum, dad, let's go back to McDonald's and have a big kahuna burger. So we just kept going back. And then eventually they stopped making them because like for a limited time only during summer. And then I went to McDonald's one day and there was no big kahuna burger there. And my heart was broken. And I, was, I became a shell of a boy. I was very sad. And so I, I hoped and I dreamed and I prayed that one day the big kahuna burger would come back. But I never saw it. One day I went to a, like a community event. And who should be at the community event but the head of McDonald's himself, Ronald McDonald. So I saw Ronald McDonald. I went up to him and I was like, Ronald, sorry, Mr. McDonald, I was wondering, is the big kahuna burger coming back? And he's like, well, I'll uh, see what I can do for you, but I can't promise anything. And I was like, what kind of a clown is running this organization if you can't even get the big kahuna burger back? And so I still waited for the big kahuna burger and it never came back. But then one day, years and years later, when I was older and I had learned how to drive a car, I heard that um, Hungry Jack's they had a new burger coming out. It was like the big summer burger, and this burger had pineapple on it. I was like, oh, this is it. My dreams have come true. And so what I did is I got my friends together, and we went on a road trip. We drove for like an hour out of uh, Sydney to like a whole other city to get this burger. I don't know why we drove that far, because there were Hungry Jacks in Sydney. But for some reason, we left the city, and we went to Hungry Jacks. I was like, I'm ready for my big kahuna, or at least my big summer burger. And I went up, and I ordered, and then I got my burger, and then I sat down, and I, I got ready for my mouth to sing once again, and I bit into it, ready for that moment, and... There was no ham, uh, there was no pineapple. I was like, where is the pineapple? I drove all this way for the pineapple and there is no pineapple. This is just a normal burger. And so I went back up and I plucked up all my courage and my confidence. I was like, I ordered this big summer burger because I wanted the pineapple and there is no pineapple on it. And they're like, don't worry, we can sort this out for you. So I went back to my seat and I sat down and then they came out ready with their solution and they had a piece of paper and on that piece of paper was 
a piece of pineapple. And they put it down like, there you go. And they were very pleased with themselves. And I was like, what is this? I was so upset because I don't want just a piece of pineapple and I don't want a hamburger without the pineapple. They have to go together. If you just have the, the hamburger, it's not the burger that makes my mouth sing. And if you just have the pineapple, it's not a big summer burger at all. There is nothing good about that. They have to go together for them to be worth anything to me, for them to be worth the road trip, for them to be worth the dreaming and the hoping and the praying and the years of dissatisfaction with burgers, but they were apart and I was sad. Now, the reason why I tell you this is because today we are talking about worship. And when we talk about worship, there is something that we talk about in worship, when, and it's talking about worshiping God in spirit and in truth. If you've ever heard that phrase, then this is what we're going to be talking about. If you haven't heard that phrase, then you'll understand what that means, hopefully by the end, or I have done a terrible job. But what it, what it is there is that we're going to see that when we worship, we need to have spirit and truth together. Otherwise, it is like a, a big summer burger without the pineapple. It's just a burger which you don't want and pineapple which you don't want. If you just have spirit or you just have truth when you're worshiping God, then it isn't the way it should be. It doesn't work out. It's not right. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, if you're wondering particularly what worship is, and we should cover that before we talk about worshiping in spirit and truth, we are all people who love to worship. Whether or not you're a Christian or not, whether or not you believe in God or not, we are all people who have something in our lives that we love the most, something that is most important to us, something that we put all our thinking into and all our energy into, the thing that we care about the most, that we put our time into the most. If whatever it is that is most important to you, that is the thing that you worship. The thing that you give most of yourself to, that is the thing that you worship. And if you're a Christian, then hopefully that is God. And when you worship God as a Christian, the reason why you worship Him is because of who He is, because He is God, and because He's great, and because of what He's done, because of the good thing He's done for us in His Son, Jesus. That's what worship is. It's a responding to God uh, because of who he is and what he's done. And sometimes that's singing like we just did then. Sometimes it's about praying. Sometimes it's about how you serve other people and honor God and obey God. All of that can be worship. Now, the story that we hear in the Bible where we get this wording about spirit and truth comes from the story of Jesus uh, with the woman at the well in a place called Samaria. Now, before we read this bit, I need to tell you a little bit of background. Jesus is in this place, and he's talking to this woman, and she's called a Samaritan. Who's heard of the Samaritans? Anybody? Yes, great. So you've heard of the Samaritans. They're like, yeah, they're pretty good people. They help people who are hurt and stuff like that. Well, the Jews, of which Jesus was one, and the Samaritans, of which this woman that he's talking to in the story, they hated each other. They did not like each other at all. They hated each other like Harry and Voldemort hate each other, or like Hillary and Donald hate each other, or like people from Melbourne and people from Sydney hate each other. It's like that. That's how much they hated each other. They just wouldn't go near each other. They thought each other were dirty and, and disrespectful. The Jews said that the the Samaritans, that they changed their religion, that the, Jew, the Samaritans went and took the Jewish Bible and they took out most of the books and just stuck with five of them and like, that'll be enough for us. And then they changed where they worship. The Jews loved going to worship in a place called Jerusalem, but the Samaritans were like, eh, you know, we could go all the way to Jerusalem or we could just stay here. Let's just worship God at our own mountain called Mount Gerizim. So they stayed there. It's like, you know, I could, like in the morning, it's like if your parents are like, hey, we're going to go to church this morning. And you're like, oh, I could go to church 
But that's a long way away. Maybe I'll just worship God here at home. And your mum's like, well, church isn't here. It's like, yes, it is. The church of Xbox, mum. I'm going to worship at the church of Xbox because it's close enough. So that's what the Samaritans did. They're like, oh, it's closer to worship here. So we'll worship here. So they changed the place where you worship. The Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other so much that the, the Jews, if they wanted to go from the south of Israel to the north, with Samaria was in between, and instead of going straight through, they would go all the way around. They would add days to their journey. Like if you're in the shops and you see someone walking along who you recognize and you're like, I don't want to see them. Sometimes that happens to me. It's like, I don't want to talk to them. And so I'll just duck into a shop to avoid them and I'll find myself in the middle of like bras and things. I'm like, oh, this is very awkward. But I'll wait till they go past and then I'll step out again and then I'll keep walking. But it's, uh, I do that to avoid them. Well, the, the Jews would do that, but not just with one shop, they would do it by walking around a whole, they would cross a river twice to avoid these people they didn't like. That's how much they didn't like each other. And now Jesus is talking to this woman who he shouldn't be talking to. And so they have this conversation, they have a bit of a conversation about water, because that's really interesting, and they have a bit of a conversation about um, how Jesus is the living water, and then they have a conversation about this woman and how she um, has, you know, five, had five different husbands, and now the man she's living with is not her husband, and so I think she's a little bit embarrassed that she's had to talk about her um, broken love life to Jesus, and so then she changes the topic, and this is where I'm going to read to you from the Bible. She says to Jesus, Sir, and she decides to ask him a really tough theological question to throw him off. She says, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped God on this mountain, remember, the church of Xbox, uh, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So that's what uh, Jesus says to her when she asks this question. And she's saying to Jesus, Jesus, here is this big theological issue. Should we worship at this mountain that, you know, the Samaritans worship at? Or should we go all the way to Jerusalem where you Jews worship at? He's saying, Jesus, you should figure out, you know, what side are you on? Who's right? Who's wrong? Can you please sort it out for us, Jesus? And Jesus decides that his, his question, his answer is going to be, you know, it's neither. It's, it's completely different from that. It's not really about where you worship. There is a time coming where it's not going to matter whether you're on this mountain, whether you're in Jerusalem, or whether you're in a completely different place. Because he says that God is spirit. And if God is spirit, that means that God doesn't have a body. That, doesn't, that means that God isn't only stuck in one place. Like you and I, we can only be in one place at one time. But God can be everywhere all the time. And so we could worship God anywhere at any time. And the great thing is that Jesus knows there is a time coming. That time is when he dies on the cross and anyone who trusts in him gets God living in them. The Holy Spirit lives in them so that you can now worship God when you are in Jerusalem or when you're on a mountain or you can worship him at the shops or at church or at youth group or at home. You can worship him in the bedroom. You can worship him in the bathroom. You can worship him when you're on the roof, in the plane. Wherever you want to worship God, you can worship God there because God is not held down to one spot. 
You don't need to go anywhere particularly special. You don't need to go out to nature and look at a sunset and hope there's a cloud shaped like a cross so you can worship God. You can do it anywhere you want. God is not held down. And so you are now free to worship God anywhere. And then Jesus talks about this thing about worshiping in spirit and in truth. So the question is, what does that mean to worship in spirit and truth? Well, let's break it down. We're going to break it down, not rap. We're just going to figure out what those two are. And then we'll uh, hopefully understand and we'll be able to worship better. So the first one, what does it mean to worship in spirit? To worship in spirit is to worship with everything you have. That your spirit, your soul, your emotions, all that you are gets caught up in responding to all that God is. That your spirit connects with God's spirit, and together they are worshiping God because of how great he is, that you love him with all that you are. You respond to him in spirit. There are some things in my life that I do in spirit and some things that I definitely do not do in spirit. When I go to the shops, I don't go shopping in spirit. Like when I'm at Coles, I'm not like, what should I buy? I want to find the right thing. I want to find the specials. I, want to, I love getting this cornflakes off. Thank you for the cornflakes. I don't do that. I, don't, I pay as little attention as possible. I walk around the shops. I listen to a podcast, and I don't go, shop, I don't go shopping for you know, my soul to be fulfilled. I just go shopping because I'm going to die if I don't get more food. So I, I don't do that. When I fill up with petrol, I don't do that with my spirit. I just, you know, stick the nozzle in the car and then I start thinking about completely different things. But I'll tell you something I do do in spirit. I do my dishwasher in spirit. And I know that sounds really boring, but I care about it a lot. I care about it so much because when I stack my dishwasher, I think about where am I putting the plates? And I think when the spinny things are spinning, where is the water going to hit? Where should I put each thing? How can I fit everything in just right? And then I turn it on and I set the settings to... Wow. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Um, Yes. The, the light of the world has come down to us. Anyway, so um, dishwashers. Okay. Uh, I, I think we're, I'm just going to have to watch you, actually. Hey, can you undo that quickly? Yeah. Did you um, do scouts? I didn't. You didn't do scouts because that's a very good knot that you've done there. It's not bad. <laughs> Ah, there we go, here we go. Great. Yeah, they're good. All right, so the dishwasher. I know you're all going to be looking at Aaron anyway, but the dishwasher. I love the dishwasher. And I set the settings so they are the perfect settings. And then I listen as the dishwasher cleans things. And I think to myself, where are we up to in the cycle of the dishwasher? I listen for the time when the soap dispenser pops open and goes, and I'm like, there's soap all through the dishwasher now. Everything is getting clean. I get so excited about the dishwasher. And then I wait for that moment, two hours and 50 minutes after I press start, when the dishwasher goes, ding, 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 ding. I'm like, it's finished. 
And then I race to the dishwasher and I open it up just a little bit and all the, the wet air comes out, the condensation comes out and the heat stays in and I know that things are going to be perfectly dry and I put my hand there and I feel the air come out like oh, drying clean plates. And then if there's no one around... I put my face in there, and I feel it. I'm like, this is the feeling of clean plates. It feels so good. And I know that that's a pretty dull thing to get excited about, but I love it. I do it with my spirit because I'm so excited. All of me gets caught up in the dishwashing. I'm thinking about it. I'm caring about it, and I'm moving my body to get involved in it. It's, I'm totally caught up. I am a dishwasher in spirit. Now, when we worship God in spirit, that's what it means, that we care so much about who He is and what He's done. We love Him so much that we respond to Him with everything that we are, that we can, you know, sing to Him and kneel before Him and, and serve Him and obey Him, and we do it all because we love Him. We are worshiping in spirit. But then, what does it mean to worship in truth? Well, there are people who are truth people. There are people who care about the truth. And the people who you encounter the most, I think, who are truth people are the people who are, you know, like when you have books and comics that are made into movies, they're the ones that love the books and the comics more than they love the movies. Like myself, I'm a movie person. Like if someone turns a book into a movie, I don't care that much as long as the movie is good. If the movie's good, that's great. If the book is good, that's great. That's fine by me. But some people get very upset with the changes. Are there Harry Potter fans here? Yeah. Are there any of you who are really upset that Peeves never makes it into the movies? Yeah, there are people who are really upset about it. Or people who get upset that Hermione is meant to be, you know, ugly in the books, but she turns out to be one of the most beautiful women in the world in the movies, and people get upset about that. Other people think it's amazing. But there are, then the people who care the most are the comic book people. Yeah, the comic book people who, like, you know, they will tell you about how in Civil War, like, Black Panther is on entirely the wrong team, and they care about how the Civil War started in, you know, Captain America for entirely the wrong reasons, and then they'll get on the internet, and they get really, really angry, and they'll shout at each other for days on end about how angry they are about what's happened, about how they've changed the source material, and the movie is just rubbish because of that. Have you met those people on the internet? You probably have. And probably you avoid them or you are them and you love it. Either way, that's fine. But those people, they are the truth people. They care really they care about the source material that they get that people get it right. That you don't go changing things, you don't go get it getting it wrong, you don't go playing with the truth, that you make sure that things are right. Now, movies and comic books and books, they're not that important. But what is important is that we know the truth of who God is. And God gives us his source material and tells us who he is in the Bible. If we want to know who God is, we look at how he has revealed himself to us in his book. And he shows himself in his son, Jesus, that Jesus is God himself. It tells us in the Bible that he is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to know God, you look at Jesus. Where do you find Jesus? You find him in the Bible. And so if you're a truth person, you care that God is understood from the Bible. You care that God is worshipped properly as he reveals himself in the Bible. You care that things are right. That's what it means to be a truth person. Now, sometimes we can tend towards one or the other. Some of us may be truth people and you re you, we really care about getting things right. Or some of us may tend towards being, 
you know, spirit people, and you just really care about expressing everything you have. I am someone who, I've got about 10% of the emotions of a normal person, which means that I'm a truth person. I love the Bible, and I love people knowing God rightly. But sometimes what it means when we go towards one or the other is that we can get things wrong. And if we just go all the way too far to the spirit end, things can go wrong. Like, I went to a church once, which was a really, you know, nice church. People were friendly, and they were, really, they were like a spirit church. They didn't care so much about what the Bible said, but they cared a lot about making sure that, you know, they responded well to God. And so, I, you know, people were friendly, and they welcomed me in. And then there was one point in the church service, and I don't know if this has ever happened in a church service you were in, where the minister, she came out, and she had a bowl. It was actually a shell, and there was water in it, and then she had a, a branch and she walked around with the branch and she started sprinkling people. She was like, I'm going to baptize you, and I'm baptizing you, and I'm baptizing you, and I'm baptizing you. And then the minister's dog was at church, which was really cool. And the dog ran up, and then the, the minister was like, and I'll baptize you too, and baptized her dog. Now, what I know about baptism is that if you are going to get baptized, that you have to express that you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I have never seen a dog express that they trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That dog did not say, I believe in Jesus the Lord, and like, oh, good, bless you, dog, and baptize you. That's not what happens, and that's not what the Bible says should happen. And then she got up to do a sermon, and she talked to us, and she started telling us a story about a man who helped people in a park in New York. He was helping homeless people. I'm like, this is a really good story. This is interesting. This is fresh. What a great start to the sermon. And then she finished the story and then sat down. I was like, what? Where was the Bible? Where did they tell us about who God is? Where did we discover what God has done for us in his son Jesus? Where do we see that? It wasn't there. Because when we are all about spirit and all about just, you know, doing what we feel like, sometimes it can be really nice, but it's not very true. Sometimes it can mean that we can be in situations where we look at everyone else around us and they really look like they love God and they're seeing their hands in the air and they're crying and you're like, because you feel like you need to be doing that too to honor God properly. Or sometimes, you know, if you're all about spirit, then people can say some things which aren't true about God and they can get away with it because no one is there checking about what God has said in the Bible. So we need to make sure that we aren't just spirit people. But then there are the truth people, the people who love the truth, and they just forget about the spirit. I knew a guy once who came to my church, and his girlfriend went to my church, and he would sometimes come to visit us, and, and he loved the Bible. He loved making sure that everyone knew the Bible well, and he loved making sure that everyone agreed with him on the Bible. And he would sit down, and he would talk to me about what's written in the Bible, and he'd tell me all the places that I was wrong. He'd be like, you're wrong here, you're wrong here, you're wrong here. And I would try and argue with him, but uh, I couldn't quite, you know, ever you know, get him to see that I had the right idea about things. And now as I'm older, I realize that I agree more with him than I did then. That I've become, you know, more like him in my, the things I believe about God. But even though he believed that he loved what the Bible said about God, he didn't live it out at all. He was rude to his girlfriend. He treated, like she was, he treated her like she was just there to support him and agree with him. And then the rest of the time, she should just be quiet. 
I went away um, with him and some friends to a Christian event, kind of like Soul Survivor, and people were camping there. And he, him and his friend were staying in their tent, and they spent all their time in their tent with um, a bottle of alcohol that they had smuggled in, and they were there getting drunk the whole weekend, and except for when they would come out and talk about how everything that the people were saying at the event was wrong, and he was right, and then he'd go back into his tent and get drunk again. And he was someone who really cared about the truth, but he didn't care about living out what the truth of God was. They didn't worship God with all of who he was. He didn't obey God with his life. So he had forgotten the spirit part. But we've got to put them both together so that we have everything all in one. And so to finish up, we've got to answer the question then, well, how do we make sure we get it all together? Well, we get it all together when we know and we love what God has done for us in his son, Jesus. If we know the good news of Jesus, then we get caught up in spirit and in truth. If we know the good news about how God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, that even though we are people who have hurt God and treated him like he doesn't exist, we've hurt other people, and even though we should be punished, God gets punished for us in his son, Jesus. God dies for us so that we can live forever with God, that Jesus makes us a child of God so that we can live forever with God, that Jesus does that for us, then that will make us love God. If we know that is true, then our spirit should get caught up so that we just want to worship him, that we just want to give him everything we are. So it's about not just our minds, but our hearts and our lives living it for him. We will become spirit worshippers, but we'll also be truth worshippers as well. We worship in truth. We put the hamburger and the pineapple together. We get it all together there because if we know how good God is, then we want to know more of him. If we know how much he's loved us in Jesus, then we want to know more of him. When I first uh, met my wife, before she was my wife, I wanted to know more of who she was. And so I went and stalked her on Facebook to try and figure out everything I could about her. And then when she sent me messages on Facebook, I would read them really carefully so I could find out as much as I could about her. And then I went and I stood outside her house and I used my binoculars to look through her bedroom window so I could learn everything about her. That's not true. That bit. Yeah. It's also, also illegal, so don't do that. But because... As I, as I knew more of her, I wanted to know more of her, so I wanted to discover her and know the truth of who she was. The more we know how much God loves us, the more we know about what he's done for us, then we should discover more of who he is and discover more of who he is in the Bible and read about him and ask questions about him so that the more we know him, then the more we want to worship him with our lives. And so you can be someone who worships him in spirit and truth in everything you do. So that when you sing, knowing who God is, you respond to him with your heart. That when you're at school, that you decide that you're going to be kind to other people because God has been kind to you. That you decide maybe that you will honor your parents because God has given you a good parent in himself. Maybe you decide that you will forgive someone who has hurt you because God has forgiven you. Maybe we decide that you will give your whole life to God because Jesus gave his whole life for you. Because you know how much God loves you, then you can respond to him with everything you are, with your heart, with your emotions, with your body, with your mind. So you worship him in spirit and in truth. If you are someone who is not a Christian, if you don't, you know, you don't, you're not into all this stuff, then what this means for you is this. 
you are going to worship something in your life. There's something that is most important to you. Why don't you make the thing that is most important to you the God who has given his life for you, who has shown that he loves you so much that he would die for you? There is nothing else in this world that will love you as much or as perfectly as God has already loved you. Why don't you worship him with all that you are? And if you are a Christian, if you love and honor God because of what he's done for you in Jesus, then give everything you are to him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. See where it is where you might head more towards the spirit side or more towards the truth side and go, how can I bring those two together so that everything I am worships God because he gave everything he is for me. I'm going to say a quick prayer for us and I think Aaron is going to come up and lead us in a time of ministry. How about we pray? Lord God, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you that we have seen how much we are loved in him, that he came and lived and died and rose again for us. I pray that we will worship him with everything we have. We'll worship him with our spirit. We'll worship him in spirit. They'll worship him with our minds, that we'll worship him in truth. That everything we have will be given to him because he has given everything for us.